Well, good morning, Gay City Vineyard. What a beautiful sound when God's people, God's children are greeting each other, loving one another. It's a beautiful sound. I mean, up here, it's just like this beautiful hum because all the, all the voices, you can turn me down some, it sounds really loud. I don't want to annoy all of you. But it's such a beautiful sound. It's like a, it's like a beautiful hum that just resonates. And I understand why Beth hates to stop you guys. It's, it's, it's a beautiful thing. So this morning, welcome everybody online. Welcome everybody here. We're sorry that, that Pastor Beth couldn't be here with us this morning, but I'm sure she's having a wonderful time with family. And we do have Paul here with us. So hey, Paul. I hope you've survived the last couple of days without your lovely wife. But I always love the opportunity to, to come and, and to share what God's put on my heart and to kind of lay it out for you guys. And this, this week, Beth kind of threw me a softball. You know, so even with my bum shoulder, I can probably hit this one pretty good because I love this topic. It's one that really resonates with me, so it may not be a world changer for you all, but I pray that what you hear this morning will be different. You've probably heard a message like this uh, here and there as, as you've walked out this faith. So it's probably not going to be a lot of like real things in your in this message that are going to make you go, oh my gosh, George, where did that come from? But what I hope, see what I'm doing here, I'm setting the bar real low for me, right? So if I set the bar real low for me, my expectation of God's bar is going to be way up here, right? One of the wonderful things about having been trained up through, through missions was that God always had the graciousness of putting me in situations where I would look out and be just dumbfounded that people came to hear me. Yeah. Because they really didn't come to hear me anyway. They came to hear what God was saying, right? Yeah. Right. So one of the first one of the first services I ever did at this church or otherwise was there a, was it a, a worship, I mean a, a, a missions trip. I didn't know what my role was going to be on this team. And then that morning, the guy that was leading the team, he came to me, George, I have figured out what you are here for. You're going to lead and direct the healing service. And I was like, what? I ain't never preached much less than a healing service. What are you talking about? I don't know about that. You guys are much more skilled at this ministry stuff than I am. But he said, no, God said you're doing it. I'm like, okay. So I prayed a lot. I was pretty, pretty nervous, pretty scared. So they, they bring me to this church, right? And I walk in the doors. There are 250 people waiting in this building. Some of them walked miles and miles and miles to get there. And I looked across that crowd, and I went right back out the door. <laughs> I went outside, I looked up into the night sky, and I said, 
degrees of need. They needed a real touch from God. And, and the words of, of Peter just just kind of rang in my head when he came up to up to that lame beggar who was yelling silver gold alms. And Peter came up to him and said, Silver and gold I have not. But what I have, yeah, I will gladly give to you.
what this word means to you coming forward. That what you receive is exactly what God wants you to receive. Yes, yes. And nothing of George resonates but everything of God. Yeah, yeah. Just fills this place. Fill your temple, Lord God, with your heart of love and grace and mercy for us. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. So a couple weeks back, if you remember, our, our super regional leader, John Elmer, he, he kind of came and spoke some things about community, talked about the vineyard, um, talked about our, our distinctives and, and that everyone gets to play and, and you know, about the love of this community. And he even, he even shared that he saw a great amount of love happening amongst our group. And that, that's pretty incredible. That's pretty awesome. Because I agree. I, I really believe this group of people is just filled with a lot of love. But as a vineyard church and part of the vineyard family of churches, all of us come together under those values and we strive to learn. And we, we, we seek to uphold and serve under those, those values. The church is united under those values. And we strive to inject them into our, our church DNA, a part of who we are in this community. And just like our faith walk, we strive to reflect Christ in the same way. So like we take the vineyard values and, and we make them a part of who we are and, and we project that to the community and to this body. We do the same thing with Christ, right? We first and foremost reflect Christ back to our, our community. And then last week, Pastor Beth, such a great teacher, right? How blessed are we to have such an awesome teacher? So I'm sorry that you gave me today, but thank you that we have a pastor like that. She walked us through the idea of multiplying. Multiplying is such a, such a biblical concept, right? Jesus took 12, and then the, those 12 expanded. And look where we are today. Expansion, multiplication. So multiplying is such an important part of who we are. If we don't multiply, we die, right? If we aren't looking for younger generations, and if we're not pouring into them, and if we're not moving to raise up the next generation of leaders, then Gate City Vineyard is on a short trajectory. And this ministry won't go into, into its future. But as we multiply, and as we seek to, to raise up and to disciple and to, and to um, move in this community, then we make sure that this ministry is moving forward into the future. Yes. And the viability of this ministry continues to grow as we grow. So this morning we want to look at another aspect of the early church as we continue our, our talk through Acts. We're going to look at the church's devotion to one another. I love this. Like I said, this is a softball for me. The devotion and loyalty and concern from one another was very deeply rooted in the early church. So as we get ready to dive in, let's look at a picture of the church. Let's look at Acts 2, verses 42 to 47. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe 
as the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles, all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number, how often? Daily. Daily. Those who were what? Being saved. So that's, that's our mission. That's our call. So all this wonderful stuff that was happening wasn't just to stay within the walls of the homes that they were in. This was meant to multiply. This was meant to go out. This was meant to be seen, felt, heard. Look, look, look at this. Enjoying the favor of all the people. That means the ones who weren't saved yet were getting favor because they saw something. And they saw something different. And as they saw something different, and as their lives were impacted, they wanted to believe as well in what was making all this possible. Right off the bat, we see they devoted themselves to the teaching and to fellowship. That's important because that means through the teaching they were growing, they were learning, and then they were discipling and being disciples. They were part of each other's lives through fellowship. They took care of each other's needs as they arose, and they praised God. And he added to their number daily those who were being saved. Now, as we read this story today, it might seem like a fairy tale. When we look across the temperature, I guess, of the church, you can see that in some places it doesn't feel like they're very Christ-like. Believers don't often act in the manner of the words that they are reading in Scripture. Yeah. I mean, we, we see that. It's unfortunate. I don't want to be in a church like that. I want to be in a church that reads the words of Jesus and then acts on those same words. Yeah. But sadly, we, especially the church in America, has a little bit different image. People call us hypocrites. People call us haters. People call it a variety of things because they don't see the words and the life of, of Jesus kind of matching in who we reflect ourselves to be sometimes. So we want to be a church that does this right. We want to be a church like this, right? We don't want it to be some far-fetched fairy tale that we can't attain to. This isn't, this isn't a high bar at all. This is attainable. We can get there. We can do this. What kind of foundation did they have that allowed them to live in the manner that, they, that we just read? What was it that girded that up? The first thing we have in common together as a people is Father's plan. Father's plan for all of us. In Galatians 4, Verses 4 through 7, it's kind of summed up like this. 
But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons. God sent the spirit of the son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, the Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. Hallelujah. Amen. You're an heir. How many of you can say that in the real world? My daddy gave me a hard time. <laughs> and passed out nothing. So, but we're an heir. That should feel exciting. Especially because some of us, most of us, probably don't know what that really feels like. So let's think about that. I'm an heir to something bigger. This is part of the foundation of the John 3.16 of it all. For God loved the world that he sent his only son, that whoever would believe in him would have everlasting life. And not just life, eternal and everlasting. And not just life, power life. How many of you are living a power life? Hmm. Oh. I wish the camera could see that. <laughs> But it's true, sometimes we go, why do I not feel like an overcomer? Yeah. When we have everything that's been done for us as a foundation, Jesus overcame so that we could be overcomers, but we don't tap into very often that power that he says we have. Amen. Are you afraid of it? Are you scared? Are you afraid that you'll walk into a room of 250 people expecting healing and nothing happens? I don't know. Why is it? We gotta be different. We gotta raise the bar. Because no matter how high we raise the bar for God, he's always gonna be way above it. So let's already come in with such expectations of the move of his will and power in this place. So that we can see the miracles that they were saying they were witnessing from the apostles. Because you know what? The scripture says that we, we would do even greater things than those. So where are they, church? Are you ready for those things to start happening? We gotta get on that roll. Thank God that He is with us. Galatians says that we are now children. Children of who? Oh my gosh. Do you need some more coffee? Children of who?
taken from the world and have been placed in the family of the Lord Most High, the family of God, all through Jesus. John put it this way in John 1, 12-13, Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but of what? Does that sound like what was happening 
in the early church in Acts, in the passage that we read? Yes, because it said they were gaining the favor of all people, not just the ones saved, but of all people. Because why? They were seeing the love that the believers had for one another, and it was attractive. They were like, wow, I want some of that. Where can I get to me some? I want some of that. I mean, they have needs, and they're meeting each other's needs, and they're hurting and, and they're ministering to that hurt. And, and, and there's people without food and all of a sudden they have food. Wow. That is attractive, right? Yeah. Now think about this place. How different could it be? People, followers of Christ, living out his teaching, allowing themselves to be filled with God's word, his love, and then pouring it out amongst themselves and those around. That's what we want to be, right? Amen. Amen. Why were they being added to? Because God's love was being shown to an entire community. It was being shown. People were seeing it. They were in awe of it. God's love was being shown. And their devotion to God was being seen. Love of Jesus and one another, fulfilling Jesus' words that they will know you by your love for one another. That's why I love our greeting time, because that beautiful home as you as you mingle amongst each other and, and share for a moment, a big hug, and how are you doing, and maybe a quick prayer. That's what it's, that's what it's about. That's the start. Amen. And one of my favorite things about the scripture is look where he starts. This is Jesus talking to his friends, his disciples, and he says, My children. Isn't that beautiful? Yeah. My children. <clears throat> my children. Picture in your heart Jesus saying to you, My child. That's what he's saying. Picture him saying that to you. In fact, everyone close your eyes for just a moment. And just quiet your spirit. Quiet all that stuff in your head that you brought in here with you this morning. Just, just hear those words. My, my child. When I look across this sanctuary, I see his children. I see my brothers and sisters. I see the family. Now I understand that many of us have not had the greatest of models for, for family set before us, and, and sometimes that word can, can just feel very wrong, very, we might be indifferent to that word, because the example we had maybe wasn't the greatest. But we need to redeem that word. We need to redeem it here in the church. 
for what it really is. We have been brought together, one another, under the commonality that we were created by a loving Father for fellowship, and that we were saved by His loving Son, who was willing to die on the cross for us to receive eternal life, redemption from the pathways of sin that some of us were on. I was quite a kind man. Thank you, Lord, that you redeemed me from that, because I was a chameleon. I was at everything to all people for all the wrong reasons. And God saved me out of that. And he said, I and want to be so much more than that. My family was broken, but my real and new family is not. That's what's amazing. Come back in and we get to see the Pittsburgh Pirates. All right, so 
1979, 16 years old. I mean, I want you to get the real full picture. I had long, dark hair going to the middle of the back. <laughs> In the next.
that, will, that was happening in a greater level with the church in Acts. In Acts 4, verses 32-37, it says, All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to anyone who had need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. I mean, they were all of one heart and one mind, the type of unity that, that the Lord himself had prayed for in John 17. Father, make them one as you and I are one. Now, can you imagine? I mean, what we saw was just a song and a team. And I love baseball, and it is a little bit corny, but the analogy, baseball players are pulled from, from every walk of life. Rich, poor, international, national, white, black, Asian, Puerto Rican, Mexican, Venezuela, Costa Rica. They come from all over the world and they're brought into one team. And together, they have to make it work. They have to find that place to where they gel. Sports is a great analogy for our faith walk. Amen. Because they have to be united in one goal. Win that championship. Win those games to get that championship. But guess what? The very next year, that's all a fleeting memory. Where we have all eternity. We have something greater at stake if the world would see that we have something different. Can we change Greensboro to be a buzz about not a song, but about a live, living person, Jesus Christ, who has the power to change their life and their circumstances. Wouldn't that be great? That when we go to things like under the bridge, that we touch lives, that they start going, wow, this Jesus thing is real. This man, Jesus, is amazing. This man, Jesus, this God, Jesus, he healed me and made me whole. And now I'm, I'm a son together with him and heir? What? God's grace. Man. We want heaven to come down to earth. We ask for that. We pray for that. And I'm asking for it to start here with us. Can we be heaven to the community around us where the sick can come and be healed, where the needy can come and have their needs met, where the hungry can come and be fed, where the widow can come and be taken care of, because a community has decided that they want to be Jesus. They want to let the Jesus living in their heart be expanded 
to people who desperately need him. Can we be that church? What would it look like if we can be more than a game and a song? And I can't help it goes back to Matthew 22 and John 13. Loving God and loving one another. Loving to the point where you really matter to me and I matter to you. Loving in such a way that, that we transcend all the things that we don't have in common to make the things that we do rise above. And then the other things just fall away because they're much more meaningless than what does bind us together. The love of Christ. Jesus' blood bought you. Jesus' blood bought me. And in that, that commonality is above everything else. It rises above all. Our love of Jesus and, and his sacrifice and the love of the Father and his plan and his heart for us, they're so much bigger. You and I are disciples of the very same Jesus, and together we stand a better chance of encouraging and walking out this faith to the point of a kingdom return, which is the expansion of the rule and reign of our Lord. Growth in the family of God and seeing the mighty works that are ordained for us to come to fruition and to see the lost come into the family. That's the type of church I want to see come about. Seeing our number being raised daily because the saved were added to us. A song and a championship. I can't do that. But our Jesus and our love for one another can. Scripture says God's grace is so powerful at work in them all. So how do we get there? I'm starting to wrap up. And um I get long-winded, I get excited. How do we become a family like that? First thing we gotta do is take a risk. I think there's a slide for that. There we go, how do we get there? We take a risk. Get outside of your comfort. Get outside of your comfort zone just a little bit. And meet some new folks. Invite people to lunch, coffee, dinner. Look around this church. Who do you know? Who don't you know? Amen. We gotta know each other. We gotta, we gotta learn to know and love each other. Number two, get to know the ministries of the church and then serve alongside of people that you may not know. And you'll get to know their heart. You'll get to know their passions. You'll get to know their, their life as you serve. What, what a wonderful way to get to know somebody. But standing next to them in the middle of ministry. It's powerful. Third one's a little tougher for us, but we gotta, we gotta get here. Be transparent. Share your life with others. Be real and authentic. Ask for prayer when needed and share praises when you're blessed. Maybe join a home group where, where it's a little more intimate setting and, and you can really share from your heart 
in a safe space. We gotta be there for each other. How you doing? I'm good. Bull crap. Let's throw that out the window. I'll tell you, I hurt. I'm in pain. You know, we gotta be real. Because when I say I hurt, then you say, can I pray? And I'll say, yes, please do, I'll take it. Or if you say, I'm a little concerned. What you concerned about? I don't think there's enough pay for the month. Oh, what happened? Oh, had this go on and this go on and this bill and that bill. Oh, you know what, let's pray. And you know what? I got blessed, so maybe I can bless you a little bit to help you with that. You know? How hard is this? Take a risk. Get to know the ministries. Be transparent. Be real. And then four, keep your eyes and ears open. Be intentional about keeping your eyes and ears open. Because those are the places that you hear someone has a need. The scripture said that when there was a need, it was filled. Filled by who? The people that knew there was a need. So if there's, if there's no knowing of a need, how can it be filled? So let's, let's be intentional about these things. So when there's a, a need, can you help fill it? Is there a prayer you can offer up or a meal you can deliver? Is there a shoulder you can lend? Is there a heart you can extend? Number five. Ask God to continually fill you with his love and give you opportunity. Because it's his love by which we are able to do all the other stuff. So he gives us and pours in a lot of love so that we can then pour it out. So as we close, let me leave you with a couple of challenges as we move into the, into the week. Think about, who are you close to at Gacy Vineyard? As you look around at your GCV family, who do you not know? And make it a point to have them not be, not known anymore. What are my gifts? What are my gifts and how can I use them? to bless those around me and my community? How can I be like family to someone here? Because we gain a lot from family. As I look around, I've gained so much. Do you realize that in and of our own means, Trisha and I would never have gone to the mission field? This family sent us. My family sent me out and Trisha out to do the work that God had put on our heart. We couldn't do it, but you sent us. For five years, we ministered in the slums of Monaco, Nicaragua, taking teams from this church to also train them and show them what that work was like. And it was amazing. It was amazing. And then Lisa came. I love Lisa. 
Release, I hope you're watching online. Relisa looked at me and, and her first thought of me in my plaid shirts and jeans was, this is a, a, a country music loving cowboy. I was like, no, I grew up on funk. <laughs> I mean, Funkadelic, George Clinton, the B-Funk All-Stars, I mean, you know, come on. <laughs> I mean, you know, love me some Earth, Wind and Fire, Commodores, I mean, you know. But, you know, sometimes, 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 you know, you can't, you can't judge a book by the cover, you gotta get to know the book, you gotta, you gotta read the person, you gotta get to know who we are. Eddie Stafford and Denise, lovely Denise, yes. they showed the young George and Trisha how, how a marriage is supposed to look. Public displays of affection were okay, and they showed us how to do that. They also taught us, they also taught us how to greet people, how to love people. You know, the second time we came to the church, they remembered our names. Eddie probably has a harder time remembering now, but <laughs> but that spoke volumes to a young couple seeking a new family. It spoke volumes to be remembered, to be known. You know that speaks volumes. You know Mike, Mike and Janet Honeycutt. They, they taught a young man who Jim Snyder believed in could be a, a leader one day. And, and these leaders came around this young man who was very passionate, very stubborn, very hard-headed. And they formed him into someone new through their love and sometimes their, Mike, I love you, but sometimes you took me to the woodshed and in love. <laughs> and you, you showed me, you showed me how to be a leader. You know, so I, I look around this place and I, I see so many people that I, in my heart, just feel like a family. Harry, your heart and desire to pray and to be in the presence of God and to lift up others' needs, you have carried us through so many times and through so many ministries. She was our on-call person when we, when we were doing something ministry-wise had some issues. Harriet, would you pray? And she was always faithful. You know, I love Andy and Mylene. You know, it's like these people won't announce that they do these things. They just do because they love. They love the body. Andy and Mylene are so gracious. Not just with their time, but their money and, and, and their skills. And, I mean, they treat everyone the same as they treat believers. Someone needs a job, my lady is going to help them whether they're a Christian or not, whether they go to this church or not. She's going to help them polish that resume and find the companies they need to, to look at. It's just amazing. But you know what? You won't know Andy and Mylene unless you talk to them. Amen. Unless you share life with them. Tim and Mary. I'm sorry, guys. This is, this is great. This is great. Tim and Mary, you know? I mean, for so many years, their faithfulness and their giving of all things to this, this family, they quietly do a lot of stuff behind the scenes that you don't expect. You know? My brother Chris, 
I mean, I've grown to love this man so much. And we're not, we're not of one mind on a lot of stuff. But when it comes to coming together and caring for this church, we are. We are. And that right there supersedes anything else we talk about. Because I love him like a brother. See, sometimes this family of God, this family that Christ has put us into, it's more meaningful to me than my flesh and blood family. They didn't send me anywhere. They didn't encourage me when I was down. You guys do. You know, the quiet ministry and passion of David Tyler. I mean, how they listen. David Jan, they listen. What a rare gift that is. I talk more than I listen. So I'm still learning. But I see them do that and it's so beautiful to listen. And then let God speak. And then they share what God has put on them. So let's stand and let's sing. And let's let the Lord just really touch our hearts this morning. Thank you for bearing with me as I got a little excited. Let's, let, let's ask the Lord to really touch our hearts so that we can really be the people of God to change this community, change this church, and just be that light set on a city on a hill. Savior, I come. 